episode 29 of tldr podcast one number higher than my age yes you guys guessed it james starts posting about the nba power rankings we got trolls coming straight from my head because i'm talking about the weak body 76ers not even in the top 15 even though they beat the miami heat in overtime just now um but yeah i feel like everybody's coming at us with our rankings and i think nba might be the hardest power ranking sport to predict a eh, trading uh i just well I, I disagree to an extent <laughs> but for me it is hardest because i don't know anything about basketball but uh yeah i mean i guess but hey before we go on eric welcome back bud thank you sir yeah, welcome yeah, back man you're so very missed it's been a weird weird time in my life these last couple of weeks but we can get into that later alex how you doing man i'm good dude you know just Kill, I'm killing it with the power rankings personally. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I feel like people were coming at you like the first week, and then now everybody switched over to me. Uh, one week that I don't have the 76ers in the top 15, who would have guessed? Tyler, I like your jersey. I like your hat. How you feeling? Yeah, go Kings go. Hockey's coming back. Get some Kings hockey for the first time in a very long time. Excited to talk about more hockey with trading segment later. Yeah, doing good. Overall, doing pretty well. Been busy, but uh, happy to be with you guys talking some sports and other stuff here tonight. Hockey is fucking back. I can't wait. We're literally less than a day away. James, you actually had some good uh, good fantasy hockey picks. How you doing? Fantasy hockey picks? Yeah, in our fantasy hockey league. Oh, did we really? I, I don't remember it. But yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't played. either, actually. But... I think I did well. <laughs> Trading said I did well. I'm very excited for it. I think I'm going to be an Oilers fan this year, as well as a Ducks fan and a Stars fan. Who knows? I picked Dreisaitl first. I remember that. I picked him first overall. Yeah, okay. That's Yeah, that, there we go. Okay, okay. We need to pause. How the Let hell the rant come. did I get um, Did I get McKinnon? There, there's no reason that Sidney Crosby should have went before Nate McKinnon, uh, Dreisaitl, and McDavid. That is unreal. <laughs> Okay, hot take, everybody. Sidney Crosby is not as good as McKinnon, apparently, according to Traden. I had the last pick, so I was, no. I was screwed either way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, speaking of all these trolls coming at us on the NBA Power Rankings, I want to get right into Alex's segment. Uh, we're going to be talking NBA, of course. We are in full go of the season. Uh, Alex, let's hear what you got. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a rough week for the NBA for sure. Uh, they've had a lot of positive tests. Uh, some teams not having enough players to suit up for games. A lot of postponements. It's been a wild week. Um, real quick to get into our fantasy, we didn't update it last week because we were uh, we didn't talk about basketball. But yours truly is in first place. I'm three and zero. James is also three and zero, but I've scored like five hundred more points than he has. Uh, <laughs> That's true. Trading and Tyler are both one and two. Trade in. Is Kylie just so distracted by being engaged? Is that why her team? I, you know, I don't know. I, I think she's more focused on making sure she has Warriors on her team more than anything. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> but, but she listened to the podcast, so I can't talk too much shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, Kylie, I'm going to talk shit because <laughs> I've scored like 1,500 more points than you have. We're only in league three. So I don't know. But hey, to each their own. We're all, this is all the first time us playing fantasy basketball. So who, we don't really know what we're doing. 
Um, and then one note that I also, we didn't get to talk about last week, but I wanted to give a shout out uh, to Becky Hammond, the assistant coach for the Spurs in a game against the Lakers, like a week and a half, two weeks ago, Popovich got tossed. Becky Hammond stepped in to be the head coach. And at that point is they, as uh, the first woman to ever be an acting head coach in the NBA game. And I think that's awesome. I think just, we needed to uh, give Becky Hammond a shout out. Cause that's super cool. Um, but as I kind of alluded at the beginning, not enough players for some teams. We had to postpone some games. Uh, players are getting sent home to the health and safety protocols all the time. We've got positive tests all over the league. Uh, Trade-in. I think we have to talk about first, which is really disappointing, is like the NBA has said they're not going to pause the season. They're just going to keep plowing through. More and more games are being postponed. This is sort of what we saw at the beginning of the virus back in March. You know, Gobert got COVID, and then teams started postponing, and then all of a sudden it all got shut down again. Are we even going to make it through this 2021 season? You know, I think so. And the reason is is because the there's money at stake that the NBA kind of needs to, um, you know, just to even make their, make their advertisers whole. Um, but I mean, look, they knew, I mean, they, they signed up for this. They signed up for this managed, managed chaos. I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it organized chaos. They knew that there was going to be some craziness to the season. Yes. It's, it's creating, you know, some, some, you know, wrecking havoc in terms of postponing games, some crazy, you know, scores are occurring, some teams that probably shouldn't win or are are otherwise winning, but, you know, I commend the I commend basketball or then the NBA for sitting down and saying, okay, this is we knew this was going to happen. We scheduled it this way. Um, then they also went back today and actually added some more guidelines. And I'm not going to go through them all. If you want to look them up, just Google them. Um, but you know, for the next two weeks, they're really going to lock it down and almost make it like a bubble like feel within your own city, especially if you're if you're playing at home. And they're doing anything they can to keep the game going. And honestly, they, they, they can't. I mean, we, we saw we saw some crazy stuff happen in the MLB. We, I mean, I know that wasn't it wasn't going as quite as crazy as it was, you know, then. But the NFL went through a, a few, you know, crazy moments, um, you know, in some cases, you know, I don't know how many times the Steelers got postponed. It seems like every other weekend they were playing, you know, you know, completely different three. There you go. Thanks, James. So, look for now, I don't think they can. I don't think they will. Um, I think they're going to plow through this and it, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly, but I, I, I don't think we're going to see it shut down um, unless something, you know, in, even more insane happens. But I think that they, they were expecting this to an extent. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it was pretty much inevitable that some teams are going to be affected by it. I mean, obviously we saw the NFL affected by it. We saw MLB affected by it. Um, you know, hockey kind of stayed away from it because they were in that bubble. And now, but now I'm sure we're going to face it later. They're already facing it. Um, you know, so it's, it's an inevitable disease, obviously that's kind of coming through right now. Um, but I agree with you on the money standpoint, they're going to keep going because the TV revenues are the only thing, some of the only things keeping these, uh, teams afloat, uh, without fans in the stands. And it's tough for them, obviously, because they're indoors, so they can't, they can't, I mean, they could play outdoor games, go play street ball in Brooklyn or something. That'd be sick. But um, moving on to some more, some better topics. Uh, two star players are returning to their teams. Kristaps Porzingis, nailed it on the pronunciation, uh, is making. <laughs> unicorn. Yeah, the unicorn. Really good. Thanks, Amazing. buddy. 
is making his debut for the Dallas Mavericks. Eric, you have the Mavs still ranked number five. I don't want to bring back the <laughs> bring back the uh, power rankings. And Carl Anthony Towns is returning for the uh, Timberwolves. What do you think about these guys returning? Is one of these guys uh, going to really push their teams who have both been kind of kind of struggling to begin the year uh, to the next level? Yeah. Let me answer that power ranking question really fast. They yeah, do have the it. Serbian goat, the guy you love, Luca. I, I do love, Luka. but um, but yeah, that's why I have them up high. They're going to be a dangerous team. But this is pretty pretty tough question, actually. I think Cat Carl Anthony Towns, in other words, is more crucial to his team um, versus Porzingis and his value to the Mavs. The T Wolves. I think they're going to be one of those teams this year. They might squeeze into a playoff spot if they go on a little streak, but you don't hear a lot about Cat because he's on that team. But I think this guy would be talked a lot more if he was on like more of a popular market team. Uh, looking at his contract, he had a five-year contract that he signed last year to remain. Uh, is he worth it? Who the hell knows? I think we're going to see that in these next few weeks. Um, Porzingis, on the other hand, He's a good player. Uh, seems to always be dealing with some knee issues left and right. He's injured more than he's played, I feel like. Um, but the Mavs are already gelling. Adding him back to that squad, it's going to make them an even deeper threat, hence why I have him at number five. Uh, the Mavs, I think last year, gained some crucial playoff experience in the NBA bubble. It's only going to make them a tougher team come playoffs this year. It's going to, They're going to be a tough team first round, whoever plays them. Hopefully not the Clippers again right away. Um, but I think to answer your question, Cat helps his team more, but the Mavs have a better outlook for Przingis when he returns. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think Cat is probably a much better player than Porzingis overall. Um, the Timberwolves just feel too far away. Um, you know, D'Angelo Russell's been having a good year. Uh, they do have the first number or they had the first overall pick in Anthony Edwards, but he's still got some time to mature for sure. And the West is just so deep. I don't know what they're going to do to get past some of these other teams. Uh, Tyler, speaking of teams in the West that are crazy deep, the Suns and Chris Paul are killing it to start the season. They're seven and three. Uh, they're at least, you know, earlier today, they were second in the West. You know, some games have happened as we're recording. I don't know if that's changed, but. Uh, are they for real? Like, is it time to start believing in the Phoenix Suns? Absolutely. I think this team is very, very good. Now, granted, last season, remember, they started the season off five and two, and everyone was talking about, is this Suns team like a playoff team or are, are they legit? And then they ended up, you know, I think having a, a losing record since then. Um, but this team this year is very, very different. Um, I think they added a lot of veteran leadership with Chris Paul and Jay Crowder to, to add that, that team. I think the biggest shift between with this Suns team this year is their attention to the defensive side of the ball. I think they've made that their identity and made that a focus of their team. Um, and it's, it's been, it's been huge for them. They are ranked um, third, they're ranked fifth in the league on, on defense right now. Um, so they're killing it. Uh, they're third in the league in point differential. And the crazy thing about the Suns team is like, they're playing super well and their best player is having his worst year so far. Devin Booker really has not been getting off to a, a good start, but that just shows you how well-balanced and how deep that this Suns team is. Um, so look out for these guys, especially if, you know, if Booker, if Booker gets going, they got a lot of guys that can come at you, come at you both defensively and, and offensively. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think this Suns team creeping up there and potentially the second best team in the, in the, in the Western conference right now. 
second best team in the West. So they're, yeah. I'm assuming you have the Lakers number one. So the Suns yeah. are better than the Clippers and the Nuggets and the Mavs and all these other teams. So far, what we've seen so far, <laughs> we're talking right now, I would say yes. Damn. I mean, according to our power rankings, that's what about tomorrow? Yeah. It goes yeah. Lakers and Suns. Yeah. That's wild. Um, I mean, I think they're obviously much better with Chris Paul. Every Almost every team has been better with Chris Paul as a part of it. Maybe not James Harden and the Rockets. Fuck James Harden. Um, <laughs> you always got to get that in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got to throw some James Harden hate in there. Um, but yeah, going back to the Suns, they, you know, they are obviously a much, they have much better leadership. I, you know, when I was doing my research for my power ranking article, when I was looking at their upcoming schedule, they really don't play any like big boy contenders for a while. Um, so, and they really haven't so far. It'll be interesting to see when they start playing some of these teams that are projected, you know, to go deep in the playoffs and possibly win the finals to really see if they're a, a full on contender. But as of right now, great start for them. I expect them to make the playoffs unless, you know, injuries or they just fall off the mountain or something. Uh, moving out East, James, the ball brothers played a game against each other. How cute was that? They took a picture before and everything. <laughs> uh, Lonzo had a just terrible game. He played 36 minutes. He had uh, five points, two rebounds, and three assists. I'm like pretty sure I could go out there and get that many points in an NBA game in 36 minutes. I could chuck Ooh, up some threes from hot and make a couple of those. It is pretty hot. <laughs> can't be, it can't be that hard. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know it is that hard, but like you are the second overall pick and you're playing a Hornets team who is not that good. And you get five points, two rebounds and three assists where younger brother LaMelo was one assist away from a triple double. And then the next, the following game got his first triple double, which makes him the youngest player in NBA history to record a triple double. Um, what did you think about this game? And is LaMelo already better than Lonzo? I thought this game was really cool to watch just because the family ties in it. And we all have seen big baller brands, ball family kind of grow and mature and go their separate ways and whatnot. So seeing two of them back on the floor for the first time since they were in Chino Hills, I was, that was pretty cool. It was fun to watch. Um, going to your second question, is LaMelo better than Lonzo? At this point in time, I say no. And that's a hot take on that. Eric says yes. The reason being is that Zoe has four more years of experience compared to Melo's first year. And 11 games won't define your career. What if he's just having like a good 11 games and he's just showing out right now and all of a sudden it goes down the drain? That's not going to define your career right there. Um, but if you ask me if Melo, the rookie, is better than Lonzo, the rookie, oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Lonzo's rookie season was pretty terrible. The Melo's rookie, rookie season right now is starting off really good. Um, a lot happened when Lonzo was a, a rookie. I mean, he had a crazy dad. This is the one uh, big baller brand was at its hype. So everybody was kind of following along and watching to see what LeVar was going to do, what what crazy thing was he going to say next. Um, he was also drafted to the Lakers. That's a lot of pressure. That's a storied franchise. It's a franchise as everybody watches. And second overall, like you're expected to perform right away. And right away wasn't his game. He's an assist first kind of guy. He's not that much of a score. We saw this at UCLA. We see it now. He had a lot to fix coming into the NBA. I mean, his shot was broken. It looks way better now. It's still not there. But it takes a lot to fix a shot that you've been working on your entire life. And I mean, like, he was brought in to be the guy for the Lakers, and he didn't have much help. B.I. was just in his second year. D'Angelo was gone. Julius Randle was the second best player on that team, but he's not the same Julius Russell, Julius Randle that is now, you know? Lamelo so on the other hand, he gets drafted. Yes. 
<laughs> Melo, on the other hand, he gets drafted to the Hornets. And the Hornets, like, they have a decent team. Gordon Hayward is a good role model right there. They also have Terry Rozier and PJ Washington. Like, that's a good nucleus of players that can help you build. In addition to that, he went, he played overseas. He played in Lithuania and he played in Australia. Like, that pro-level work helps you so much and tra- it translates to the NBA game. You saw this with Luca. He played pro. You saw this with Porzingis. He also played pro. Their rookie season, they went out and dominated. And that's what's happening right now. I mean, as of right now, no. Lonzo is better than LaMelo. But give it time. In a year, maybe in a couple months, LaMelo is going to be better than Lonzo. I think in, like, three games, he's going to be better than him. He's already done just more than him in four years. And, like, you know, uh-huh. by then, like, 14 games. You know, being a good player is more than just stats, right? It's also leadership <laughs> and being able to run plays. Lamelo just kind of goes out. He's not a starter, man. Lamelo is out there just kind of chugging up whatever he wants because the pressure is not being put on him. Lonzo was a starter from day one. It's tough to really mature when you don't have that time. You're yeah, you're totally right. I mean, Lamelo, there's no expectations for the Hornets this year. Um, you know, and the Lakers when they drafted Lonzo were terrible, but they're still the Lakers. They're always going to get the media attention. And, you know, if it wasn't for Michael Jordan owning the Hornets, people might not even know they're in the NBA. Like they would be just nothing. So, and the point about playing overseas, you're totally right. I mean, the competition that they face at the collegiate level varies so much compared to playing against guys that are much older than they are and at professional levels, professional levels in those European leagues. I mean, those leagues are legit. Like they're obviously not the NBA but they're a lot better than playing some 18 year old from South Dakota state or something, you know, Um, it it will be interesting to see like their development moving forward. I mean, it's not like Lonzo's an old man either, you know, he's like 23 or something. So he's got, he's got time to develop as well. Um, It'll be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, But that kind of finishes it out. Let's just hope that the NBA can keep going. Um, Hopefully the everyone will mask up and be responsible and, we won't have more cancellations, but who knows? Thanks, Alex. Um, you know, knowing the way I am, uh, will the Clippers play Lonzo tomorrow night? So just me talking shit about him, he's probably going to go off and do well. Let's hope not. <laughs> that, w- that will happen, yeah. Yeah, it's highly, highly happenable. Double. Watch. Highly <laughs> happenable. Uh, guys, when we come back, the NHL – is going to be in full effect starting tomorrow. I can't wait. We all can't wait. And when we come back, we're going to talk to our NHL guy, Traden. Hey, guys, we're back. James is taking a piss, um, <laughs> but, but we're back. And uh, guess what else is back? The NHL. And Traden, hold on one second. I got a hot take. The Toronto Maple Leafs, I think, have the best jerseys in the league. Oh, no. Uh, maybe we'll cover that later during the segment. But tell us about the NHL restart. Oh, okay. Um, okay, we're going to continue the divisional breakdowns here. Um, and we're not going to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I don't really want to get into them. That is for next week. Um, I, that is a hot take. and. I'm not going to get into it. Here we go. We're going to talk about the Honda NHL Western Division. So four of us here are fans of teams in this division. Those same four individuals are going to hate me 
after this uh after this uh thing here so hopefully i don't get booed off this uh off this platform and we can keep going tyler you know where the mute button is right yep i got it ready to go (laughs) all right um well before i preface this i'm gonna i'm gonna be perfectly blunt i think that this is the weakest division in the league kind of how the pacific has been in the past couple years unfortunately um i see but i do see that there are three clear you know top teams and then there's two teams that are that i just don't think they're just a little young i think they're just not quite there yet and then the teams in the middle i are wild cards to me so um you know with that we're going to jump right into it starting from number one i have the colorado avalanche Last year, they finished 42, 20, and eight, um, second in the Central Division. They're the second best in the West. They lost to the Dallas Stars in the second round of the playoffs. And the Avs had a pretty solid season, notwithstanding an earlier than expected elimination from the playoffs. Um, scoring wasn't an issue. They finished three with 3.37 goals per game to rank fourth in the league. Um, although their power play slipped to 19%, uh, I still, you know, despite their loaded offense, but you know, I think a lot of injuries had to do with that and they, but they were getting depth scoring five on five, obviously um, the abs did play 70 games in the season, but only 54 had had Gabriel Landeskog um, there and Nathan McKinnon's line mate, Rika Ranton and only skated in 42 of those games. So clearly most of the offense came from the depth side, um, um, you know, past Nathan McKinnon defensively, the team ranked sixth um, at 2.71 goals against per game. The rookie star, Kale McCarr, continued to make a difference on the back end, netting him a Calder, Calder Trophy win. Um, Goaltending-wise, the, the combination of Grubauer and Pavel Franku were very solid last year. Franku did an, a, an outstanding job taking over for Grubauer um, as he nursed his injuries. Um, the team ranked third in five-on-five with a save percentage of 0.932, so very, very solid there. The outlook for 2021, the expectations are very high for this team this year. Only the Tampa Bay Lightning have a higher odds of winning the cup again. Um, Avs added Devontae's and uh, Brandon Saad. I mean, not huge bulletin board names, but but analytically, they are darlings um, and should help the team intangibly to an extent. Um, The captain will be expecting a lot. Superstar Nathan McKinnon will be expecting a lot from his team. Um, You know, he's going to be looking to earn a heart trophy in in the process along with the Stanley Cup. He even said it's pretty much Stanley Cup or bust for him. Um, goaltending will be healthy and a big part of this team this season. Um, I, I see, I see a big, I see a lot of expectations, and and I think that they may be able to meet it. Some players I have, um, I have to watch are Kale McCarr. McCarr jumped on the scene in 2019 during the playoffs and made a huge splash and continued to make a splash um, last season, just driving his value through the roof. And his rookie deal ends this year. And, you know, if he keeps this up, he might price himself out of out of Colorado, just given the fact that, you know, uh, this economic, you know, cloud that, that the NHL is facing. We may see him n- not being able to stay in, in Colorado if he keeps this up. Um, and then Nathan McKinnon. This is the this is the one B best player in the NHL behind Connor McDavid. And even when nursing his injuries can put up an MVP caliber production and overall 200 foot play. He's, he's fantastic. He's the face of the team. One of the league's most important players. He's obviously someone to watch because he makes the game look so much more beautiful than it already is. Um, but my question for you, Alex, I told you to, to take a look at this team. Is this Stanley cup or bust for this team? I mean, do you think this entire season will be a failure if they don't at least even make the Stanley cup final? I mean, that's kind of brutal to say that like it's a total failure, but Yes, 100%. Yes. <laughs> hey, right? 
Yeah, they are on paper one of the best teams in the league. I fully expect them to be fighting for, I don't know if we're still doing president's trophies and everything this year with all the weird divisions, but like the highest point total. Yep. Um, I don't know. That's not really fair with all the weird divisions, but I 100% expect the Avs to be a great team. I think this is the year that they're going to be fighting for that Stanley Cup. And, you know, you don't want to waste the prime years of Nathan McKinnon. Um, just like you said, he's one of the top three best players in this league. You don't want to waste those cough, cough, Oilers, Connor McDavid. Um, you want to get you, you know, you want to use this guy in his prime, you know, and uh, I expect them to make it. I mean, they're my pick to win it all. So yeah, yep. it's, I mean, it's brutal to say, but yeah, it's a yep. bust unless you make it to the Stanley cup final. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, you know, this is one of the best teams in the league expectations are high and when you have an all-starting you know an all-star lineup um with nathan mckinnon and miko rantanen and kale mccarr on the back end who's just budding who's just a budding superstar you're you're expected to carry games and and especially in what i think is the weakest division um i expect nothing less than a number two finish in this league in this division and if not number one um and i you know i i do expect them to see i do expect to see them in the western conference final i will say before i move on that um digging into the playoff format all teams are going to be playing interdivisional for the first two rounds. So each there's going to be one representative in the semifinal from each division, which, which means, you know, we should expect them to at least make the, the, the semifinals out of their division. Um, number two, I have the Vegas golden Knights. Um, they finished the season 39, 24 and eight first in the Pacific third in the Western conference. They were eliminated by Dallas as well in the Western conference final. Since this team entered the league just three years ago, this team has been a huge threat and they've made the playoffs in all three years of existence, won five playoff series in those playoffs last season. And last season was a bit of a roller coaster. They struggled pretty early. They fired um, Gerard Gallant and replaced him with rival coach Pete DeBoer. They traded for Robin Leonard that sent uh, Marc-Andre Fleury to the bench. And then there was some drama in the bubble regarding those two. Um, offensively, they were a top possession team that just that couldn't crack top 10 in goals per game i mean they, they were they could possess the puck but they just couldn't finish um although you know they were built to to they were built defensively i mean that that's kind of their whole mantra um they ended up 13th in goals against per game but they ranked second in terms of shots against and and top 10 and other advanced stats defensively so you know goaltending probably wasn't as strong as it could have been but i mean defensively they're they're darlings um their peak their pk was a problem like they were like 27th place so ugh. um goaltending was a bit like i said it was a bit weak in the regular season but the addition of leonard was a was a huge it was a huge addition for them where he posted a 1.99 goals against average and a 0.917 save percentage in 16 starts with four shutouts in the bubble that is spectacular so if he can continue that you know, watch out my outlook for this team. This team landed the top defenseman, if not the, the hottest name in free agency in Alex Petrangelo, and he will be suiting up for someone other than the blues for the first time in his life. And I think he should fit well in this defensively sound squad. He's coming from a defensively sound squad. Offensively, the team has many impact players and Mark stone, Max Pacioretty, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marcheseau, and that should net enough points, you know, goals to beat their opponents assuming their defense and goaltending continues their above average or can, you know, can bring out above average stats, but they need to find other types of scoring. In my opinion, um, they're going to be fighting to, to make the playoffs again, I think. Um, and you know, they're not going to miss, I don't think they're going to miss. 
Um, they continue to, and the problem is they continue to raise the bar for the Seattle Kraken. I mean, the bar just continues to grow and I kind of feel bad for them because it's going to be very tough to beat that. Um, they will be playing in a harder division. I think they're bringing in two very big powerhouse teams, um, in the blues and avalanche. So it'll be, it'll be pretty interesting. Um, players to watch. I have Alex Petrangelo. This guy hasn't played with any other team than the St. Louis blues who drafted him fourth overall in 2008. He's continued to grow in importance for that team was named captain and became the best all around D man in the league, in my opinion, netting a cup in the process. So we'll see how he fits in this team and if he will be a catalyst for even better defense and might even spur some offense, hopefully. And then I want to look at Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury, both. Fleury is one of the NHL's, you know, fan favorites players in the league um, through his elite talent, his work ethic and his attitude on and off the ice. He's just infectious. But we saw Leonard take his net and how Fleury's agent was less than impressed with that decision by the coach. So that, that led to some drama as, as we saw in the bubble. So this goalie tandem is elite in my opinion, but the fallout of the bubble shenanigans will be a thing to watch in my opinion. So I, I it'll be very, very fun to watch. So um, I think I had Ty, uh, Tyler, I have you, uh, I have you answering a question for me on this one. Are you confident in this team that offensively that you think that they'll be able to beat other teams that have such offensive upside? I mean, does this team make it to the conference finals? Yeah, so the answer to the first question, am I confident with the Vegas Golden Knights offensively? I would say, yeah. I mean, you, you got to look at up, up and down the lineup. Hmm. Um, I think last year was kind of an uncharacteristic year in terms of their inability to score goals. Um, but as you mentioned, they possess the puck better than a lot of teams in this league, and that just creates more chances. I think that they're going to bounce back and have a much better year um, scoring goals this year. I mean, that, that first line with Mark Stone, Mark Stone is a stud. I mean, he's, he's one of the best players. And what's kind of unique about this Vegas offense is their first line center isn't really a star. You don't really see that a lot with, with, with top teams. Uh, Chandler Stevenson is projected to be their first line center. Um, you don't really see that too often. Um, but I think Stone, along with uh, Pax Reddy, makes that first line very, very good. Oh, yeah. But their second line is really where they, you know, kind of take that next step in being one of the elite teams with uh, Carlson, Marcia So, and Riley Smith, which could easily be a top line on most other teams. Um, so that, that one, that first and second line, very, very good can compete with anyone. And then looking down in the, kind of the third and fourth lines um, I see, I I'm going to see improvements from uh, Alex Tuck and Cody glass. I mean, these are guys that are, you know, uh, role players in this team. I think you saw Tuck kind of take a step forward last season. I um, look for him to improve on that. And, you know, Co uh, Cody glass, very high draft pick uh, didn't perform very well last year. Um, but like I said, it, you know, it was, it was young for, uh, I believe that was his first year, uh, first full year in the, in the league. So look for him to improve as well. If, if those two, if those two guys can step up and, and add more depth, more scoring, this team is going to be very, very hard to beat. And of course, you know, got the blue line with Petrangelo and Shea Theodore on there. So I don't know, man, as, as far as them being able to score goals, like I don't really see it being, being an issue, obviously, you know, with, with recent, um, statistics yeah they didn't finish as well as they could have um but like i said i think that was uncharacteristic and i think you'll see this team score a lot more goals this season um and as far as them making the conference finals man it's tough i mean they're that this division with st louis uh colorado and vegas is going to be a really exciting one to watch yeah. especially going into the playoffs like i this i think this is where my attention is going to be the most in terms of just a division battle I mean, three yeah. just heavy power weights. I, I'm pretty sure in the um, 
NHL released their power rankings, they had all three of these teams in, in, in their top five. Yep. Um, so that's pretty phenomenal. Um, so do I see Vegas in the conference? Final? I'm going to say, yeah, I think they're, I think they're gonna make the conference finals. I think they're one of those, I think of those three teams, I think maybe a, the team that people don't expect to make it. I think everyone's talking about Colorado and how good they are and rightfully so. But I think sometimes you see, you see teams that aren't as well thought of and they kind of take on that underdog role and that can be that extra spark to, to put them over. Um, I like so I'm going to put Vegas in the, in the conference finals. I like that in this top heavy, but I think overall weak division this, they're going to be helped. I think in that respect, at least making the playoffs. Um, I don't, I don't expect anything less than a top three finish um, depth down the middle for me, as you mentioned, is questionable. Um, there is winger depth, but not center depth, which is kind of important in this league. The addition of Alex Petrangelo is big one is a big one in my opinion, and will be the number one guy immediately upon arrival. Um, I think this team will be a force, um, you know, much like they always are, but I do question their ability to perform the playoffs. Cause I just haven't, I didn't see it last year. Their goal, their, their goal scoring abilities are, are just too questionable for me, but we'll see. Um, number three, I have the St. Louis blues. The blues finished the regular season 42, 19 and 10 for first in the central and the Western division. The blues definitely did not suffer from the Stanley cup hangover, following it up with being one of the best teams in the NHL. The Blues accomplished this without their star winger, Vladimir Tarasenko, showing that their depth can step up. Um, their offense wasn't, quote, electric, but solid enough for 14th in the league um, with 3.14 goals per game. And the power play operated at, 20, at a 24% clip, um, good for third place, even without Tarasenko. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, who's a new captain, uh, led the team with 61 points, and the rest of the depth just kind of filled in the, the Vladimir's Tarasenko gap. It was pretty incredible. Uh, the D was strong with Alex Petrangelo, who we know that got, was lost free agency, and Colton Pareko leading the charge. They ranked fifth in goals against per game at 2.66 and ranked first in five-on-five five, um, shots against per 60 minutes. Goaltending-wise, the Stanley Cup sensation Jordan Bennington to take a step back, um, following up an electric half-season with a 2.56 goals against average and a .912 save percentage, struggling mostly on the road. That doesn't seem like crazy bad stats, but for his for what he had already established, that, that was a step back. The outlook for 2021, the largest change to this team is the loss of former captain um, Alex Petrangelo. His, president, his presence on the blue line will be felt, but I think he was quasi-replaced by Tori Krug this, this offseason. He may not be a defensive darling, but his offensive capabilities, his possession numbers indicate that he can spark offense. We shouldn't expect to see the same level of D, but maybe a little bit of aggression of a regression, excuse me. The high octane offense squad is still around and should approve with the likes of Tarasenko, hopefully if he comes back sooner than later. Um, and should he bring his high level of play? The largest question mark will be if Jordan Bennington can bring that, that same play from the, from the year prior, or if he's just going to be a one hit wonder who, who knows. Um, they did add Mike Hoffman and Kyle Clifford and three of you, the guys in here know him very, very well. Um, he's a very good depth player, in my opinion. Um, players to watch Jordan Bennington. Uh, he came out of nowhere in 2019 and quite literally fixed the goaltending issues and led the team from literally last place to the Stanley Cup, you know, to Stanley Cup champions within months. He regressed, but finished the league with average numbers and then completely lost it in the playoffs. Um, what Bennington am I going to get? I don't know. Are we, is he going to bring back his old game or, you know, is, is he just going to, you know, fly off into the ether and we'll never see him again? I have no idea. 
Um, and then you have Tori Krug. This guy is so interesting because he was the team's big money addition to replace Alex Petrangelo and all eyes will be on him. If he can bring that high level of play, even a good fraction of that play, um, at least from an offensive perspective. Um, he's an interesting watch this year, I think for this team. So my question for you, James, what is your confidence level in this team? I mean, they've been one of the best teams, you know, prior to the bubble, but they buckled under pressure after, um, you know, before another post postseason. Um, was this was last year's postseason a fluke or and are they still contenders in this league, you think? Um, so whatever they did in that little hiatus period between the season and the bubble, don't do that again. Whatever did just messed you guys up. Like the team went from good to terrible, absolutely yeah. terrible. So don't ever. Yeah. If you're listening to it, guys who play on this team, don't do it. Whatever you did, don't do it. Um, my confidence level of this team really just relies like lies on the play of Vladimir Sarasenko and Tori Krug. Uh, I mean, Tarasenko is a pretty dynamic guy. He's starting, he's starting the season off on LTIR. But all the reports I'm reading saying he's, he's going to come back soon. I mean, he had to play in the playoffs, and he's going to come back soon. And I think he's going to have that same level of play just because he has that more rest, more time to rehab mm -hmm. and do all that. So that same level of play is still going to be there. He's still going to be dynamic and electric on offense. Tory Krug, on the other hand, I don't know what I'm getting from him. Like, you're losing your best defenseman, your captain. He's gone. And you bring in Tory Krug to replace him. I mean, yeah, Tory Krug has better offensive numbers, but it's this team is they, they need defense, right? And I don't know if Krug can bring that same level of intensity and that same defensive numbers and have the same success defensively as Petrangelo did. I, like, I don't know if the management's making a change and going from more defensive based to offensive based because that's kind of, that's what it's seeming like right now. And they brought in Mike Hoffman too. He's a big point getter. Yeah, like they brought in a lot of points this off season. You know, I'm not sure if they're just completely abandoning that defensive side and now switching to offense. And do they have that much faith in Jordan Binnington? Right. Uh, again, like you said, goaltending play is going to be huge. And I, I agree. I think he does better than he did in the postseason because everybody on this team played terribly in the postseason. I mean, he's, he's included. I think it goes back to the same play that won him the stand a couple, couple years ago. Um, so that'll be on him because the team certainly isn't helping him bring in defensive reinforcements. Right. So if he can play well, I think the the Blues stay as contenders. Love it. Um, look, this team's not going to miss the playoffs, just given the division. Um, in my eyes, assuming we do see a bounce back from Bennington in the regular season, I see this team as a contender for the Stanley Cup. Um, they are deep up front and have and have, still have a very solid defensive core. Tory Krug, I'd expect, will fit, fill an offensive gap to at, at a very at, at some level. Um, you know, I, I'll see. I like to say that they will compete in the playoffs i just question how far they'll go depending on how well the goaltending side of things um, kind of goes so so the controversy starts here we go the next three teams i literally almost rolled the dice because i really don't know who i could have picked but hopefully i don't get muted number four the san jose sharks the san jose sharks were bad you finished 29 36 and 5 for eighth in the Pacific and last in the Western conference. We all know that competitive windows shut in sports, but literally this window slammed shut and it was brutal. Um, offensively, the team fell apart along with other parts of the game. They plummeted to 27th alongside the blue jackets with 2.7 goals per game. Pavelski departed and it seemed to affect the team in many ways. If you ask me um, leading score, Timo Meyer led the club with 49 points. Good for only 71st in the league. And only four Sharks hit or surpassed the 40-point mark. 
Defensively, Brent Burns regressed. Um, adding to the regression, the team ranked 27th in defense, surrendering 3.21 goals per game ahead of the Senators and Red Wings. Advanced stats posted this team at near average ranking, actually, suggesting that goaltending was a big issue. And boy, was it. For two straight seasons, Martin Jones has struggled to post uh, or struggled posting a 0.896 save percentage with a career worst 3.00 goals against average. They ranked 30th in goaltending in save percentage only, ahead of only the lowly Red Wings. Case in point, they got goalied this year. My outlook, however, the pandemic pause may have given this team this time or given this team the time to refresh um, as this team is fairly old and fairly and full of veterans. Those vets will be relied on to bring the bring back their elite play between Brent Burns, Eric Carlson and Logan Couture. Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc will be looking for another shot um, at being the team leaders in scoring. The wild card will be goaltending. If the team can see goaltending resurgence in both Martin Jones and their addition of Devin Dubnik, we could see this team turn it around and make the playoffs. They are aging, which is a big concern. All three parts of the team will be pressured this year um, to see if they can come back from their former glory. Um, the addition of Ryan Donato and Patrick Marlowe should bring some help as well, but um, you know that still remains to be seen. Um, so the players to watch, I have Devin Dubnik and Martin Jones to, again. <laughs> These guys are coming off truly awful seasons. The addition of Devin Dubnik is a head scratcher for me, and it was early on, given the fact that he's coming off his terrible season. And, you know, Jones just had his string of, you know, terribleness. Uh, this team's success relies on these guys bringing some sort of resemblance to their former elite level because we've seen them perform well in the past. And then Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson has been blamed for, for the team's last season's regressions, and maybe it was unfair, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. He's an expensive defenseman, and given his recent production, you know, given his recent production, he's not really doing too well, but he was once considered one of the best D-men in the league at one point. Um, and, you know, he's going to be rested, and he may bring, hopefully he brings some kind of resurgence after that big rest, as we've seen with, with big names in the past. So, so we'll see. Eric, my question for you, am I putting too much faith in this team? I mean, I have them scraping by and making the playoffs, but between them, the Wild and the Coyotes, it was really a crapshoot for me. Do you see this team resurging back to the playoffs? No. This team <laughs> will not make the playoffs. One, because fuck them. Um, and two... Yeah, I mean, they've had some off years, probably these last three seasons, you could say. Uh, and even in those times, they had enough guys to make them squad. Uh, they lost their mojo, their backbone, their darling, as you would say. Jumbo Joe Thornton is gone. Um, even though San Jose is a team that does actually develop pretty well, uh, they still have guys like Couture, Eric Carlson, Timo Maurer, Hurdle, and Martin Jones, as you mentioned. Um I think Jones does have a good season this year, though. Uh, and, I mean, he played pretty bad last year. He was a big reason of their decline. I think through 56 games, him and Dubinick can actually be a good little tandem. Um, but losing Pavelski, losing Thornton, those are huge holes of leadership to fill for that team. Uh, they take the fifth of eighth spot and they will just miss the playoffs this year. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, you, you have them close. I mean, at least I'm not way off. They're going to miss uh, it by two points. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh. That's hot. I, please record. I'm glad we're recording this. I want this on the podcast. Uh, this team has been so <laughs> good prior that. to last year, man. I mean, 
but I have some gut feeling that the long rest is going to bring some fresh start for the likes of Carlson and Burns. I think we will, we can see some goaltender goaltenders fighting to regain their former glory and bring this team back to the playoffs. This is my least confident pick of all of my predictions so far <laughs> throughout the league so far, but I do see them making it, but do not count me shocked. If, if you're right, if they're, if they're on the outside looking in, all right. Speaking of outside looking in, the number five spot, I have the Minnesota Wild. The Wild finished their season 35-27-7, and seven, good for sixth in the Central and 10th in the West. They made it to the expanded playoff bubble, but were quickly eliminated by the Vancouver Canucks in four games. It's safe to say that the offense of this team surprised to the upside, ranking 12th in goals per game with 3.16 um, you know, goals per game, ranking ahead of the likes of the Jets, Knights, and the Oilers. They finished top 10 in the with power play with a 21.3% clip. Defensively, the Wild oddly enough struggled on the surface, finishing 23rd with with a 3.14 goals against per game, canceling out their solid offensive numbers. Their PK was also pretty bad at, you know, 77% good for 25th. Though goaltending was the issue as they ranked first in terms of scoring chances against um, on the season along with above average rankings. You know, they had above average rankings defensively on the advanced stat side, but they just let too many goals in. So someone needs to stop the fucking puck for this team. Um, speaking of goaltending between Dubnik, Stalock, and Kakinen, last season, the team ranked 29th in, with a .897 save percentage ahead of only the San Jose Sharks and the Red Wings. Stalock was better than Dubnik, but his, but his, his numbers weren't game-changing, clearly. Um, my outlook for 2021, Zach Parise will be the principal goal scorer again, who's coming off a 25 goal season. Pretty solid. The team seems to be looking at getting younger and letting Eric Stahl and Miko Koivu go along with dealing Jason Zucker to the Penguins um, at the last trade deadline. Center depth is a question mark. So scoring remains on the wings and a weak center depth, as I mentioned before, Tyler is never good when trying to be in an above average offense. Um, I said that with the, uh, with the uh, Golden Knights. Kevin Fiala is coming off a big season, so we'll see how he does to back that up. Marcus Johansson is going to be played at the center position from his career normal wing position. That doesn't always end well, but it could be what they need. Um, defensively, the team is led by Matt Dumba, Ryan Suter, and Jaron Spurgeon. The goal, the sol with solid goaltending, this team is set up to succeed at least defensively. Goaltending-wise, the team traded away Devin Dubnik to the San Jose Sharks, as I mentioned, and brought in Cam Talbot from the, from the Calgary Flames. Talbot is coming off a bounce-back season where he posted a 2.63 goals against average and a .919 save percentage, stealing the crease from David Riddick in the bubble. This tandem will be better if both goalies can bring their, their you know, numbers from last year, for sure. So players to watch, I have Cam Talbot. With, De with Devin Dubnik being a disaster last season and Talbot's coming off, a bounce back. I will watch to see how he fares on a new team that is in need of consistent goaltending. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't otherworldly, but solid enough to post better than who he, he, who he is replacing strong defense will help, but he will be asked to fix the goaltending issues. This team has faced. I have seen him go from, from hero to zero with over a season with the Oilers. So We'll see what he, if he can back it up. And then I have Kirill Kaprasov. The NHL history has, a, has had its fair share of hot prospects that took a long time to leave their Russian homes. There is hype behind this guy, and, in some and some in history have lived up to the long-awaited hype, looking at you, Vlad Tarasenko, and Evgeny Kuznetsov. Um, can this wildcard boost the offensive abil abilities of this team and make, make them a playoff team? I don't know. It, it is an interesting uh, prospect altogether, though. Um, 
I have uh, Alex. What is your feeling on the goaltending tandem and offensive abilities of this team? Will they have enough to make the playoffs or am I wrong? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the goaltending is going to just going to have to be better. And Cam Talbot is not, you know, a game changer goaltending Andre Vasilevsky, Carey Price type goaltender, right. but he's very serviceable. He's now, you know, right. he's no AHL, you know, binge NHL player. He's a very serviceable goaltender. And he had a good year for the Flames last year. I expect him to be better uh, to, you know, maybe not keep up that level, but he should be good enough to be at least serviceable, way better than Devin Dubnik was last year, who yeah. just forgot how to stop pucks, I think. Yes. Um, and then Staylock too. Staylock has been very good in the past. I think the tandem will help both of them, less pressure on both of them to be like that guy. Yeah. Um, on the defensive side, that big three that you mentioned, Dumba, Spurgeon, and Suter, those are legit defensive players in the NHL and those, you know, those three should carry this defensive team, which will then help the goaltending um, succeed the offense though. You're totally right. They're going to need depth scoring. I have no faith. Zach Parise will stay healthy because he never seems to stay healthy anymore. Um, They're going to, they're going to need depth scoring. I don't know if they'll have it. Um, I agree with you. If you're weak down the middle, you're going to struggle on the offensive side of the puck. Um, If, the Minnesota wild can score enough. I think their defensive status will surprise some teams coming in early in the season. If they can score enough, I think they can squeak in as that four spot in this Honda, whatever fucking division it's called. (laughs) Um, But they're, they're in for a tough, tough, tough go of it. Um, If they get in, I can't imagine they'll go very far in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, as mentioned, this is the middle tier, um, of the teams in this division. Um, and I have, they kind of have all an, an equal chance of making that, that fourth spot. I have faith in the defense like you, Alex. Um, but as a fan who saw, again, who saw Cam Talbot go from here to zero over the course of an off season, I question if he can back up a good season with another granted, he will have solid defense to help him as you, as you said, Alex, um, I have them finishing fifth only because the forward depth is weak, especially middle and i don't know what kind of goaltending i'm going to get but i wouldn't be surprised if they snuck into the fourth spot um so number six i have the arizona coyotes the desert dogs finished the 33 29 and 8 good for fifth in the pacific and 11th in the west we saw them upset the nashville predators in the qualifying round before losing in epic fashion to the colorado avalanche in a series they had no business even winning a game in my opinion Offense came at a premium last year where they finished 21st in um, with a 2.8 goals per game. That was improved to do um, that was improved due the, to, to the then addition of Taylor Hall. Nick Schmaltz led the team with 40 with uh, 45 points in the regular season. Good for 91st in the league. That tells you they cannot score defensively. The team is one of the best, at least on the surface. They tied for third best in goals against per game at 2.61. Through advanced stats, though, they ranked 22nd in scoring chances against and high danger chances against, leading to too much reliance on goaltending. And speaking of goaltending, they were largely bailed out um, as Darcy Kemper posted a 2.22 goals against average, ranking second and a 0.928 save percentage good for third. Thank God you have good goaltending because a lot of teams would love to have your goaltending, let me tell you. Uh, My outlook for 2021 without Taylor Hall, who's going to score? Um, the offensive player ranked 90, the best offensive player ranked 91st and it only got uglier from there. Defense, defensive advanced numbers will be an area of focus, especially as both goaltenders will be playing often. It will be important to help out your goaltenders. 
I see them facing many one gold games and low scoring games and needing to find a way to, you know, put that last goal in, um, especially when you're going to deal with, you know, teams like St. Louis and Colorado goaltending needs to keep up their strong play and stay healthy for this team, for this team to stay in games, in my opinion. Um, players to watch. I have Oliver Ekman Larson, the captain, of the team will be focused on this year. If only because there were rumors he wanted out and the coyotes looked to shop him. Uh, his value will be dependent on his ability to bring back his prior year numbers and defensive capabilities. We will keep an eye on this individual. If only because we wish to see if he is traded in, you know, during the season, which, which could happen. Um, and then Clayton Keller, this is this seventh round draft pick in 2016 will be expected to step up to the plate after the loss of Taylor Hall. Um, he has the ability to put up nearly 50 points, but unfortunately has regressed since his rookie season. He will be an interesting player to watch as he tries to find some offense for this team. Uh, Tyler, my question for you, do I have this team ranked too low? What is your faith in this offense? And do you think that they can find some depth scoring to take them to the postseason? Not low enough. Just kidding. It's, it's, it seems <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Fair uh, enough. <laughs> Fifth or six, I think, um, looking into the, um, some research and stuff, uh, the Athletic do these pretty cool season projections for each hockey team. Um, they give them kind of a percent chance of, you know, what they're going to finish, where, where they're going to finish in, the, in their playoff rankings and all that stuff. Uh, they got them a 20% chance of finishing sixth, a 24, 24% chance at fifth, and 19% at fourth. Um, and an, an overall 34% chance of making the playoffs, which I, to me, it seems about right. And it's pretty much kind of covered what exactly you just said. Uh, so you, you should work for the athletic trade and uh, call them up, um, which is a pretty shitty place to be for a team. Cause it's like no man's land. Cause you're not good enough to be a serious contender. Yeah. And you're not bad enough to get a good lottery pick at the end of the season. <laughs> uh, so it's just really shitty for them. Yeah. Um, and as far as the offense. Yeah. I mean, my, my faith in them is next to none. Uh, they got the 28th ranked forward group in the league and 25th ranked defenseman. Uh, their two best players, Christian Dorvac and Connor Garland. Who are those jokers? I don't, even, I don't, even, <laughs> I don't know who those are. So maybe you're right. I do have them ranked a little too high. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, Darcy Kemper will be the only reason why they're even competitive. I mean, that's uh, fair enough. That's yep. really it. That's all yeah. I got. <laughs> Look, you know, I, I agree with you. I don't know who's going to score. Um, there's so many question marks for me. They lost Taylor Hall. They were hit with some fallout for alleged scouting violations. So they lost draft picks and they're slammed. They're in the penalty box for that. No pun intended. And what are they going to do with Oliver X and Larson? I have, I don't know. Um, too many questions for me puts them for, uh, you know, puts them in sixth place. Actually, it might be a little bit generous. Um, maybe we do see some solid goaltending and defense, but you know, I think these hard, um, close, hard fought games are going to wear on them down the stretch. So. All right, here's where I piss off uh, more than half of this te- more than half of this podcast. Number 7, the Anaheim Ducks. The Ducks finished 29, 33 and 9, good for 6th place in the Pacific and 13th in the West. They were the best team in California, but literally only by OT wins. All California teams ended with 29 actual wins. Or, or I'm sorry, OT, OT losses, so they all ended with 29 wins. So they were all like dead even. <laughs> Um, they among their California peers were the only teams from the West that didn't make the bubble offensively. They ranked 29th, um, with a 2.56 goals per game, beating only the Red Wings and the Kings. Um, Adam Henrique was the best offensive player going for 26 goals and 43 points. They have offensive firepower in Henrique, Ricard Raquel and Jacob Silverberg, but they have young and they have a young depth squad that are just going to be finding their way into the league. 
Um, defensively, the team has, has historically been solid, but they slipped falling to 25th in goals against per game at 3.15. They used to be very strong in this category. Uh, Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson are a solid pair, but the bottom lineup is very questionable right now. Advanced D stats were, were weak as well, surrendering, surrendering the fourth most chances against and similarly weak high chances against. Goaltending was an X factor as John Gibson finished a career worst 3.00 goals against average and a 0.904 save percentage. My outlook offensively, there are major question marks. The team did sign Kevin Shattenkirk on the back end. Who's done a fairly good job at quarterbacking offenses in, in his, on his former teams, but the forward lineup um, out of the top line to me are questionable just given the lack of experience. Um, defensively, we may see some help from Kevin Shattenkirk, but the lack of help on the depth side could see the, t the ducks at the bottom of the heap yet again. Goaltending wise, the team is one of the most underrated tenders in the league, but will need to be, be better next season if they have a chance. He is solid, but he needs help. This team is in rebuild mode, despite having their captain Ryan Getzlav at the helm still. Coach Dallas Eakins has his work cut out for him. Um, the addition of Trevor Zegras from the draft will be intriguing as he just posted 18 points in seven games in the World Junior Tournament, leading the tournament to and United States to a gold medal. Um, my players to watch, I have John Gibson. Um, John Gibson is the Ducks' best player, and when he's on his game, he's one of the best goaltenders in the league, guys. Um, he struggled with this team last year, though, and so all eyes will be on him to see him improve down the um, as the season progresses. He has a good track record, um, and he will be asked to be the savior for this team. And then Ricard Raquel, once the team's highlight and prior, uh, you know, once the team's highlight and prior to last year, he's one of the league's most efficient goal scorers. Um, he has seen a regression, you know, um, of notable proportions. Um, he has strong possession numbers and is capable of scoring. So can he bring back his former, you know, production levels? Um, this team is in rebuild mode and he is a very valuable trade chip as well, given his cheap contract. So he, we may see him move this year, but we'll see. So my question for you, James, our resident Duck fan, I think we can agree this team is going to struggle to make the playoffs. What are your most exciting things about this team, though, this season? And do you see the younger guys on this team make some strides? Um, and do you think they're going to be back in the playoffs within the next couple seasons here? Dude, you just asked me like seven questions in one question. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start with the first thing you asked me, which I think was, all right, what are you most excited for? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm excited to watch Ducks hockey. I'll be real with you guys. I haven't really watched hockey in general at all until never until now. Tomorrow <laughs> I'll start watching hockey, you know? So I'm excited to watch the Ducks play because I am apparently a Ducks fan because I live in Anaheim and I've been to a lot of Ducks games. Other than that, it's just like Ryan gets left. The guy's getting up there in age. He's a legend. It's, I don't want to say it's farewell tour because it's not yet, but it's getting there. I'm going to be there watching as much as I can, appreciating what he has to offer because the guy's a legend. First and foremost. Um, also, you mentioned him, Trevor Zegers. He's starting off in the AHL with the goals to begin the season. I hope he gets called up soon because that guy's electric. He scored 18 points. I want to see him score for us, like when it actually matters, not at the AHL level. I'm going to buy a jersey pretty soon. Buy it for like, what, 20 bucks because it's super cheap right now. And then maybe I can sell it for maybe 300. Who knows? He'll be a legend. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, I think the younger guys do make a lot of strides this season, mainly because they have to. Uh, yeah. some of the biggest names that they have is Sam Steele. Yep. Uh, and two years ago, he had 11 points. Last year, he scored 22 points. Also, Max Jones is another big name, one of the young ones. He scored five points two years ago, and last year he scored a gnarly number of 12 points, guys. 
So there's there's improvement there. There may not be much, but there's improvement either way. Yep. And I hope that just, you know, more time in the league. There's a, there's a pretty steep learning curve. Yeah. Um, but more time in the league will help them out there. And, uh, well, do I think that this team will be back in playoffs within a few seasons? I want to say yes. That really just depends on how Dallas Eakins develops this team. There's yep. a lot of young guys, and they've done terribly the last couple of seasons, so they have a lot of high draft capital that they're developing. And so if that development goes well, their farm systems look amazing right now on paper. Mm. But it's, it's yet to be seen at the NHL level. Um, if that turns out the way it does, they're going to be one of the best teams in the league in a couple of seasons just because of all that draft capital. Yeah. But like yeah, I said, okay. it comes down to Dallas Eakins and development. Yeah. Um, this team, much like their immediate rival, are, are coming off being forces to be reckoned with. I mean, California in general used to be murderer's row for teams that came, but then they got old, they got cap strapped. Um, and you know, they've been focused, they, you know, the ducks have been focused on rebuilding and shedding salary when available. They have a pipeline that is up and coming, but it's still years away from making noticeable differences. So I expect this just to be another part of the rebuild, very similar to number eight, sorry, boys, but no disrespect because actually I, I like this team a lot. Um, the Kings, I have the LA Kings, uh, the LA Kings finished the season 29, 35 and six good for seventh in the Pacific and 14th in the West. They did end their lackluster season with a solid seven game winning streak, but that was unfortunately easily overshadowed by the craziness of the COVID year. Offensively, this team struggles to finish. Anze Kopitar remains an all world player and an elite center, but is mostly a defensive darling. As I always say, less, less so um, of an offensive powerhouse. Um, they ranked 30th with 2.53 goals per game last season, just ahead of the lowly Red Wings. Um, defensively, this core is no longer with um, this. I'm sorry, this core is no uh, is no longer um, only Drew, only they only have Drew Doughty left in this core, um, and that's it. Like they don't have this. They 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 lost Martinez. They lost uh, uh, who did they just lose? Wasn't. Um, Muzzin. Yeah, exactly. So they, th- those are, those are huge parts of the core that, that are just gone. They ranked 14th um, in goals against per game at 2.99. So not terrible, but lack of scoring doesn't give you a chance to compete. Um, goaltending was their X factor with um, their once, um, you know, best goaltender in the league, Jonathan quick becoming a legit liability over the last two seasons among the goalies who had played their last 50, uh, who had played at least 50 games. He ranks 46th with a 3.099 goals against average. The D the defense and goaltender positions were the highlight of this team back in the day. Last year was just a large regression. This, uh, my outlook for the team, the aging group is working on a rebuild, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Every team, every really good team and even Stanley cup teams go through this. Um, offensively, the team saws Kopitar and Jeff Carter. Um, they added Elias Anderson from the Rangers, as well as adding depth prospects from the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's before mentioning draft picks, Alex Turcott who just scored eight goals in seven games for the United States um, in the world juniors and Quinton Byfield, the stout centerman prospect. The team added Olimata on the defensive side, but with largely the same cast of players, the decor will still be a question mark for me. The goaltending future is Cal Peterson, who while only playing 19 games did post an excellent 2.62 goals against average and a 0.923 save percentage. And he'll be splitting the net with, uh, with Johnny. Um, players to watch, I have Quinton Byfield. Shockingly enough, expert Peg Byfield as closer to NHL ready than his first overall counterpart, Alexi Lafreniere. Though the impact he makes remain he will make remains unclear. He will be pol- will he be polished enough to draw big minutes, or will be he sent back to the minors for development? A huge question mark there, similar to Trevor Zegers in, in, in Anaheim. 
And then Drew Doughty. Drew Doughty is still considered one of the best defensemen in the league. NHL Network ranks him 15th in the league ahead of Shea Weber and Ryan Ellis. His advanced stats, though, are, are deteriorating. And at such a high cap hit, how is he going to perform through another rebuild season? Uh, his performance and how people view his performance on these last years of contract will be looked at um, very closely. So my question for you, Alex, one of our resident Kings fans, am I discounting this team too much? Am I missing something that could bring them more success than I'm, than I'm giving them? Uh, yeah. Duh. They're the Kings. They're awesome. I'm sorry, Eric. I'm sorry, Eric. That's what I was going to say I was very confused. Yeah. Eric um, it's for Eric. <laughs> but I still stick with what I said. Yeah. I mean, I agree with Alex for sure. Um, but Traden, you just said they lost their core guys. What about Kopitar, Dustin Brown? I said defensive core. Jeff Carter. Defensive. Jonathan core. Quick. Defensive core. <laughs> no, I think you just said core. But we'll, we'll look at the tapes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they've been pretty bad these last, like, four seasons. It's been rough. It's kind of the opposite of what you told James that one day when you said it can only get worse from here when we were golfing because it can only get better from here. Yeah. Um, this is another team develops very well, sticks to their system. I like these up and coming young guys. They got uh, Aya Follow. You've kind of mentioned him before. He is yeah, kind of coming. I like his him. Own. I like him. Um, Walker is a, a good little defenseman. I like. Uh, he was paired with Dowdy last year. He he's he showed out a little bit last year. This dude named Wagner. He's faster than shit, but needs to get better at finishing his breakaways. A, you didn't mention Akil Thomas, who scored the gold wet, gold medal game-winning goal two years ago in the World Juniors for Team Canada. Uh, Martin Furk, this dude yeah. has the fastest clapper ever recorded. I think it was 108 miles per hour. Yeah. Um, and then you talked about Cal Peterson. I do really like that guy. I think he's learned. He's learning from one of the best, Jonathan Quick. Um, I hope he has a good season. I think they're going to try to make him the number one guy this year. Um, but their system hasn't really changed since they won their cups. Uh, they just added some fast guys to the lineup. Athens CU, I think, is going to be one of those extremely fast players that's going to get him some goals this year and some meaningful I hope so. goals. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's on a better team than the Oilers, you know, so <laughs> anything anything goes better when you're on a better team than the Oilers. Um, but – Lastly, uh, this dude named Grunstrom, they got him a couple years ago, uh, believe from the Maple Leafs, but he's kind of like a Dustin Brown style grinder of a player. Yep. Um, and I think that's who he's been kind of under the wing of. Uh, I think the Kings squeeze into the fourth and final spot in wow. this playoff division by the nick of a hair by two points. Wow. They take the fourth spot. I love the it. Sharks miss it by two points. I love it. Um, look, my view obviously is not that, but I, but I love the, I love that. Um, there's nothing wrong with this team going through rebuilds, especially they're coming off of, of two Stanley cups in the last decade. That's amazing. I love this team, but their goaltender has largely reg regressed. Their offense is not high octane and their defense is not what it used to be. They have a very good pool of prospects, much like the, the Anaheim ducks uh, making their way up and their future is going to be bright. Um, I could see them beating the Ducks in the rankings. So this was kind of a coin flip, but, uh, but Hey, I know it was long, but that is the Honda NHL Western division. But first, before we go, I want to go through around the horn and give everyone's ranking on who's going to make the playoffs. Uh, starting with James. Uh, I go abs, Knights, blues and ducks. Okay. <laughs> Tyler. Uh, Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis and Minnesota. Okay. Uh, we'll start, uh, Alex. 
uh, abs, blues, knights. Eric, my man, you're right. Kings are getting that fourth <laughs> Oh, I love it. And then Eric. Yeah, I'm actually going to say the same thing Alex just said. Abs, okay. Knights, Blues, Kings will get that fourth spot. Hey, um, I love it. Uh, thank you guys for, for you know, talking Western with me. Uh, we have one more division next week, um, but the season starts tomorrow. Let's go, boys. The NHL is back, everybody. We cannot fucking wait, as I've said like four times already. Uh when we get back from this break, the NFL playoffs are going to be in week two. Um, lots of good games, couple upsets. Uh, we're going to get into our predictions for this upcoming week of playoffs when we get back. NFL playoffs are still going. Uh, God damn, we're gonna get copyright issues. <laughs> yeah, I didn't he finish off. off the, He's fine. I didn't finish <laughs> off the beat, you know, so they don't really know which beat I was gonna get to. Uh, James, our football professional playoffs full go. Great games last week. Great games upcoming. What do you got? I. Yeah, we're going to do this exact same thing as we did last week, guys. It was very well-reviewed. People loved it. They liked the debates. So we're doing the exact same thing. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to say, like, they were, there were a lot of good games. The one game I didn't like was the uh, Saints-Bears game. Oh. That one was boring as shit. That took forever. I almost didn't even finish it. What did you guys think about that game? Uh, I love Jimmy Graham just running straight to the locker room after he get a sick one-handed catch to finish the game. Okay. <laughs> that was meaningless. James, I, I gave you an over-under for time on the game before, which was under the time I gave you. And then oh, to, yeah. to, to back up the next game with that, you know, with that slow of a game was, was tough. It was disgusting. Tyler, <laughs> Alex, what did you guys think of that game? It was the only game that I didn't watch a single minute of. So I'm glad that was wow. the one I missed. Nice. Uh, yeah, I just got the second half of that one. Uh, not too bummed that I missed part of it. Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. And I checked at yeah, halftime and it was seven to three. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> super, super boring. We'll talk about the Saints later. Uh, but today, the first theme, or first matchup we're going to go with is the number one seed, the Green Bay Packers. This is the number six seeded Los Angeles Rams. We're going to start with offense. Um, people, a lot of people were very surprised at how successful this Packers offense is going to be because during the offseason there was that growing rift that happened between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and I think that lit a fire under Aaron Rodgers ass because this guy came out firing this this year he's putting up MVP caliber numbers he's an MVP candidate he's probably the favorite to win the MVP award he finished the regular season with 4,299 passing yards um, completing 70.7 percent of them and led the league with 48 passing touchdowns along with five interceptions his main weapons are Devonta Adams and Aaron Jones. Devonta Adams has 18 touchdowns with 1,347 yards, and Aaron Jones has the fourth highest amount of rushing yards with 1,104. The biggest gem or a little surprise that the Green Bay Packers have offensively is tight end Robert Tonyan. The dude came up out of nowhere, and he's tied for he's tied with Travis Kelsey with 11 touchdowns for the most receiving touchdowns as a tight end. Overall, during the season, they ranked fifth in yards per game with 389 and first in points with 31.8. The Rams just beat the Seahawks. The Rams had a heavy, heavy, heavy reliance on the run game. Cam Akers finished the game with 28 carries and 131 yards. And I think this game plan was mostly because they had a backup quarterback in, but that backup quarterback almost broke his neck and they had to put Jared Goff in. 
Jared Goff, fresh off a uh, thumb surgery 12 days ago, went in there and was wildly inaccurate. The Honestly, the wide receivers made those plays happen because he was not throwing the ball well at all. He finished the day with going nine for 19, 155 yards and one touchdown. On the defensive side of the ball, the Packers defense is top 10 in the league in yards per game with 334, but 13th in points allowed at 23.1. Their strength lies in their pass defense, which is ranked seventh in the league. Cornerback Jair Alexander is the number one ranked cornerback in the league. Darnell Savage has four interceptions and 75 tackles. And on the season, the Packers have 42 sacks and 11 interceptions. The Rams, on the other hand, that is the best defense in the league, and they showed it against the Seahawks. They held the Seahawks to 26 yards in the first quarter. 26, that's it. I'm sure Alex would probably run more than 26 yards. Right, Alex? Heck yeah. <laughs> um, they held Russ to 174 yards and one touchdown in the day. Honestly, it should have been way more, more touch their interceptions just because the Rams, they dropped so many of them. It was ridiculous. They held the running backs to a total of 82 yards. The biggest question mark, though, is Aaron Donald. Is he going to be healthy? He went out with a rope injury in the second half and never came back. He tried to a couple of times, but on, just stopped. He had two sacks in the first quarter, absolutely dominant. The Rams, as a total, had five sacks on the day. So, Eric, why are the Packers going to win? Uh, I don't want them to, but they have the best one of the best quarterbacks ever, the Chico native, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, anytime he is healthy, you have a chance. He's in the State Farm commercials. You've seen his arm when he throws that fucking ball way to the moon when the dog just misses it. Uh, they came up one game short of the Super Bowl last year. They're going to be hungry. They lost to your Niners, unfortunately. But he's got another powerful weapon that you just mentioned, the name of Devontae Adams. This guy's definitely better and more of a challenge to cover than DK Metcalf. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is going to have his hands full. It's going to be a great matchup nonetheless. Aaron Rodgers is so good. He makes other random newer name receivers and tight ends shine. Guys like Lazard, Valdez, Scantling, who I now have a fantasy grudge against because every time I had him on the bench, he would go off this year. Williams and Traden's guy, Tanyan. Uh, they also have another guy back there. You talked about him, Aaron Jones. Low-key, powerful, and explosive running back. He will eat up yards for your offense. Uh, and defensively, stat-wise, six different players this year for them have had at least one pick. Uh, that's a little sketchy going against the opposing four-fingered Q QB Goff. Um, and they are ranked seventh in pass defense. Their one weakness is their 22nd ranked in rush defense, which could be a little hairy after seeing our guy Cam Akers last week. And even a possible healthy backup, Henderson Jr., um, but I think they have just enough tools to get by the Rams. Alex, why is Eric wrong and why are the Rams going to win? Yeah, so you're wrong, Eric. And that's a good <laughs> thing because that means our Rams are going to win. And here's why. So first of all, Jalen can shut down Devontae Adams. I have no – Devontae Adams is obviously a very talented wide receiver, but Jalen can shut him down. I'm not saying he's going to go zero catches for zero yards. He'll have some catches for sure. But if he's going to shut down that number one – Aaron Rodgers will have to spread it out to the other guys and I don't have as much faith in them also Sean McVay did say that Aaron Donald will play uh, and even Aaron Donald at 80% is still the best defensive player in this league no doubt um, and he'll yep. and he'll get after Aaron Aaron Rodgers who is not the Aaron Rodgers of 10 years ago who you know is 
a little more mobile, was more mobile. He's more of a pocket passer now. Um, and then going on to the offensive side, it all comes down to whether Jared Goff can, can uh, keep the ball in the Rams' hands and not turn it over. The positive is, yeah, the Packers have a great uh, pass defense, not a great run defense. Well, the Rams are a great run team, and they suck at passing. So it's kind of <laughs> working out in the Rams' favor where we're just going to run it a bunch, and they'll run it down uh, the Packers' throats. The only worry – or well, there's more than one, but a big worry that it, it is going to be cold. It's Green Bay. It's January. Uh, Jared Goff typically does not play well in cold weather. I mean, he's from California. He plays in Los Angeles doesn't really get cold there. Uh, so that is a bit of a worry, but I expect the Rams to come out ready to play. Um, and I think they can win this game. Eric, give a rebuttal. Um, well, you know, I kind of like the Rams and uh, <laughs> <kinda> agree. <laughs> and I kind of want the Rams to win, but shit, man, it's going to be a fucking battle. I think the one advantage maybe the Packers have is that cold weather factor. And, you know, Goff, he's going to have another week of rest, but he's still not going to be 100%. And a non-100% Goff is a little a little sketchy. Um, maybe he should just, like, throw it underhand or just, you know, lateral it to Cam Akers the whole game or something. I don't know. But don't really have much of a rebuttal for Alex because, you know, I got the Rams in my heart. Okay. Um, my final score for this game, I have the Packers winning 28 and the Rams having 24. Trade, what do you think? Yeah, this is going to be a blowout, 37-20. Oh, for Packers. what? Ooh. Packers, Ooh. okay. <laughs> Tyler. Rams 20, Packers 16. Eric. Rams 20, Packers 17. Okay. And Alex. Uh, Rams 27, Packers 24. Oh, okay. So we got two versus three here. That'll be a fun one to watch. Moving on to our second NFC matchup, we have the number two seeded New Orleans Saints, who just played the worst and most boring game of the playoffs so far, versus the number five seeded Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On the offensive side, the Saints did exactly what they were expected to do against this Bears team. They controlled time possession with 38 minutes and 50, 38 minutes and 58 seconds. Drew Brees looked like he was playing backyard football. He was going out there just doing his thing, not caring the world. Like this Bears defense did nothing to him. He finished with he finished 28 for 39 for 265 yards and two touchdowns. One of Drew's biggest strengths is his football IQ. He does not make mistakes. Under high pressure situations, he'll get the ball where it needs to be. And that he's just really good at that. Alvin Kamara did exactly what he thought he was going to do. 23 yards or 23 carries for 99 yards and a touchdown. He also had two receptions and 17 yards. Michael Thomas, big storyline here, scored his very first touchdown of the season. He missed a couple games, but that was his very first touchdown. Crazy. He was supposed to be a number one ranked fantasy wide receiver. God damn close. it. Sorry, <laughs> right, Alex. Um, and then another very pleasant surprise for the Saints was the emergence of wide receiver and return man, Deontay Harris. This guy was all over the field. He had seven targets and had seven receptions for 83 yards. He was the guy this game. Um, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they absolutely dominated on offense against the number two ranked defense. They had 507 total yards. Tom Brady went 22 for 40 for 381 yards and two touchdowns. Honestly, those numbers should be so much better, but Goodwin had like seven drops. Speaking of Goodwin, he had five receptions on 12 targets for 79 yards and a touchdown. Mike Evans is healthy. Who knows? We had six receptions for 119 yards, and Antonio Brown had two receptions for 49 yards and a touchdown. Uh, another big storyline here is the running back room. 
Ronald Jones was a late scratch. He was supposed to start, but he had a quad injury, so he did not suit up or play at all. Leonard Fournette, though, took the reins. He's a former all pro. He did his, he did his thing. He's, he looked really good. He looked like he was a rookie again. He had 19 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown. On the defensive side, the Saints look really good. Uh, the Saints uh, the defense Saints held the Bears defense. to nine points and 239 yards. But they only got one sack on Mitch Trubisky, and that's because they're missing their defensive end, Trey Hendrickson. He has 13.5 sacks in the year. He's a force to be reckoned with. Hopefully they get him back. Um, safety, C.J. Garner-Johnson is all over the field. He had eight tackles. Cornerback Janoris Jenkins had five tackles and one pass deflection, but he struggled really, really hard. He struggled mightily against Allen Robinson. Granted, Allen Robinson is a great wide receiver, but he can't struggle like that against three elite wide receivers. Um, something to remember, though, this is the Saints defense that played against the Bears. The Bears are not a competent team. They're not a competent offense. They shouldn't be in the playoffs. So I don't know if these numbers are inflated. Are they really that good? I guess we'll find out this weekend. The Bucks, on the other hand, their defense came in the game and looked like they were just going through the motions. They wildly underestimated Heineke. The guy had 306 yards and a touchdown. He looked like a freaking all-star out there. The Washington football team as a whole had 375 yards. The Bucks, on average, give up two, 327 yards. So they just laid back and let the Washington football thing, team do their thing. It was crazy. Um, as a whole, though, they have a really good running defense, and that has not changed. But they struggled to contain the edge, as we saw with all those outside runs, and Tyler Heine Taylor Heineke running outside for that touchdown. Tyler, why are the Saints going to win? Yeah, I think the Saints this season against the Bucks have looked really good. I mean, uh, they beat the Bucks twice this season on a combined score of 72 to 26. Now, granted, this is playoff Brady we're talking about, and it's a lot bigger task. But I think this Saints defense is where they're going to um, play better against this, this, this Bucks team. Um, yes, I'm, both, both these teams had, you know, quote unquote, easy matchups in, in, in their first round. Um, but I think that the Saints look just better overall, especially in, in the second half. Um, so I, I think the Saints defense is, is going to play, play great. The offense needs to get off to a better start, though. Um, I think that they're kind of still trying to get the groove back. You know, Michael Thomas is coming back, but, but he got that touchdown. I think he's starting to feel a little better. So I, I, I think Breeze and this offense will do enough, and their defense will keep them in, um, in this ballgame. Trayden, why is Tyler wrong, and why are the Browns going to win? Yeah. Uh, the Bucks are going to win simply because of Tom Brady. Uh, um, and, and because guess what they have, they had the number one defense in or the number one, uh, running, running defense in the league this season. So there, you, if you can't establish a run game, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you know, move the ball very well. You're not going to be able to, to, to get the game under your control. Yes. I do agree with you, James. They, the defense looked very sorry, very, very, very sorry. But the offense is clicking. Yes. They got, they got mollywopped by the saints this season but tom brady in his years in the nfl has not lost has not gone um or has has never had a team beat him in a in a play or in a whole series in a whole uh season series like or, or he's never been shut out by a team in a, in a season series so that makes sense so if so he's going to play the saints three times he's not lost three times he's won at least one he's never done that he's been in the league for what 20 years and he's never done that it's not going to happen this is playoff this is the playoffs. This is where it actually fucking matters. I don't care what happened in week one. I don't care what happened in week nine. It's the playoffs, boys. He went for 
they went for 507 yards. Kareem Hunt's going. Nick Chubb. I'm sorry, Nick Chubb. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> Kareem team. Hunt's going. Antonio Brown. James, I told you. Antonio Brown was on fire. We haven't seen him on <laughs> fire like that in a long time. Wrong team. Antonio Brown? No, Kareem Hunt. He's a good one. Uh, and I'm I'm all flip flopped here, but um, Antonio Brown's on fire. We haven't seen him on fire like this in a long, long, long time. So you know, I I I, I just think that this team's just gonna just gonna beat them. It's not gonna be it's not gonna it's gonna be close. It's gonna be a shootout, uh, but it, it's not gonna be a, it's not gonna be easy. Chris Godwin, you can't drop passes, bud. You can't. Yeah, um, you, you got to be better than that. But I think he's gonna be. Um, he has the he has the weapons. I I just would be worried if I was the Saints. Um, I, I hope that the Barrett didn't lull you to sleep before you play the play before you play the Bucks. Todd, do you have a rebuttal? Yeah, I mean, let's first of all let's take a, a appreciation for this first matchup, Breeze versus Brady in the playoffs. Never happened before. Uh, it's going to be an amazing game, but there is a first time for everything, and Brady will get swept by the by the Saints. <laughs> wow. Hey, hey. Um, I, this isn't a rebuttal, but did you guys see on on Twitter the the History Channel thing? Oh, yes, that hilarious. Yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> oh, that was so hilarious, man. dude. <laughs> like uh, Tom Brady has his long ass beard, and then you see this grizzled uh, <laughs> Drew Brees. It was uh, absolutely hilarious, and it was actually retweeted by Tom Brady. So, I mean, I think that's fucking awesome. Okay, um, I have the Buccaneers winning with forty one points, and the Saints having thirty eight. Tyler, what do you think? Uh, I got Saints 24, Bucks 20. Wow, okay. Eric? 14 to 10, Bucks win. A lot of defense there. Wow. Okay, uh, Alex? Uh, Saints 35, Bucks 31. And Trayden? I have Saints – I'm sorry, I have Bucks 31, Saints 26. Okay. That was pretty close. A lot of defense from Eric. That's that's crazy, man. (laughs) That is a lot. Um, No, both quarterbacks are just going to do really bad. They both get hurt. That'd be ridiculous. No, they're just going to do bad. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're old. Uh, moving on to the AFC here. We have the number one-seeded Kansas City Chiefs versus the number six-seeded Cleveland Browns. The Chiefs have the best offense in the NFL, plain and simple. There's no really arguing that whatsoever. Andy Reid's a mastermind. He just makes up these plays, and it, it works. Mahomes has only played in 15 games this season, but he still came in, in second at the highest for, second for highest pass yards it would end the league with 4,470. He also had 38 touchdowns and six interceptions. The speedster, the cheetah, Tyreek Hill, 87 receptions for 1,276 yards and 15 touchdowns. Travis Kelsey, the tight end, this guy's a monster. He had 105 receptions for 1,416 yards and 11 touchdowns on the year. His receiving total came in at second in the NFL, and he's a tight end. He's trailing just the Fawn Diggs as a tight end. That's ridiculous. He's beating out every other wide receiver out there. Uh, the running back room is pretty stacked as well. They have a rookie in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's a small diminutive back, but he has a low center of gravity and is very elusive and he's hard to take down. Uh, backing him up is Le'Veon Bell, and he's looked good on the games that CEH has not played in. He looked like he's all pro self. He's catching the ball, he's running the ball, he's making patient moves, and it's working out really well. Uh, on the Brown side, it was a surprise that the Browns did as well as they did. Honestly, I had no idea they were going to do this well, especially without the head coach, Steven St- Kevin Stefanski. And he's also the offensive play caller. So there was a lot going on, and he wasn't there for it. They dominated a top three de- defense in the Steelers. 
they put up 390 yards against a defense that averages 305. Baker Mayfield, he's more than just a game manager. Like, he went out there and he played and he won that playoff game for them. He went 21 for 34, 263 yards and three touchdowns. Nick Chubb certainly played a huge part as well. He had 18 carries for 76 yards while having, well, Kareem Hunt, who plays the Browns, had eight carries for 48 yards and two touchdowns. The O-line did a fantastic job of opening up these holes. I mean, the holes were so big that even Tyler could make it through it. And Tyler is pretty much the least athletic person on this podcast. Ow. <laughs> uh, Nick, the biggest surprise. Simply not true. Is so true. I've seen you try to run, dude. No, you waddle. <laughs> uh, the biggest surprise, though, is Nick Chubb and his receiving. The dude went out there and caught four passes for 69 yards and a touchdown. That doesn't happen often, but if they can exploit that, he doesn't get tackled. He doesn't go down easily. If they can exploit that, get on the ball in open space, he might run for a touchdown every time. On the receiving side, Jarvis Landry continued his hot streak, having five receptions on eight targets for 92 yards and a touchdown. And tight end Austin Cooper finally showed why he was worth that massive contract that he signed with seven receptions on 11 targets for four or six yards and a touchdown. On the defensive side, the Chiefs are in the middle of the league. They're smack dab in the middle at 16. They allow 358.3 yards per game. There's only one team, that's a playoff team, that allows more yards per game. Do you guys know who that is? The A playoff team, bro. Browns. The Browns? It is the Browns. The Browns, the team <laughs> that are playing, allow 0.1 more yard per game than they do. Uh, the, their defense, though, is clutch. In key situations, they come up big. They make big stops. They're led by Teron Matthew with 62 tackles, six interceptions, and nine pass deflections. And defensive tackle Chris Jones with 36 tackles and 7.5 sacks. On the Browns, they only played okay defense against the Steelers. If you look at the stats, you're going to think I'm crazy for saying what I just said because they had four picks and defensive touchdown. But honestly, that defensive touchdown had nothing to do with the way they played defense. It was a snap that went over Big Ben's head, and Big Ben is too old to – run that fast so the defense has got the ball and fell in for a touchdown cool i couldn't do anything that. for that you could have done that exactly what i'm saying uh the four picks though only three of them were really because of style defensive player the other four is because big ben is old and throws to the opposing team as a whole they allowed 553 yards that i feel like that's a record i didn't look it up we checked the facts i didn't sorry and uh, middle linebacker BJ Goodson has an AC joint sprain, so that's something to really keep track of to look at because he's the guy who calls the plays and makes sure everybody's in the right position. If he can't go, they're going to have somebody else for that position, and I don't know if the defense is going to be that good. Eric, or are the Chiefs going to win? Uh, so I'm going to sound like a broken record. They have one of the best quarterbacks ever, uh, <laughs> also in a State Farm commercial, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, guy was just smothering ketchup on his steak uh, in that commercial. This guy's kind of like a roach in a positive way. He just never goes away, always comes back, always shows up. Um, and what about his weapons? You already talked about him. Guy's like the fastest dude in the league behind Daniel Jones, a guy named Tyreek Hill. Um, behind Daniel Jones? <laughs> well, I think just because they measured Daniel Jones' speed when he fell because he was running so fast he tripped on his own feet. But he's probably faster oh than Daniel God. Jones. Um, oh, God. But Tyree Kill just somehow is, like, open every fucking play. And he seems like he never gets winded. Um, and I think he's also – Mahomes is kind of like Rodgers. He makes other guys shine. Guys like Pringle, Robinson, 
Watkins, even though he's a pretty good receiver and a known name, he's on the decline. Uh, guys like Hardman. Um, but his main weapon, Travis Kelsey, another guy who just seems to be open no matter what, especially against teams like the Raiders in the fourth quarter. Um, Kelsey is just a weapon that's going to just contribute pretty much every play that Mahomes needs him to. And he's got his running backs, too. Um, like you mentioned, Le'Veon Bell, he's picking up the, up the slack. Um, and I like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, this guy's a little grinder. Gets the job done. Uh, him and Le'Veon Bell are a good little tandem. Uh, I think they're starting to become a better tandem every week. And their defense, let's talk them, 11th in points per game, 14th in pass defense, 17th in rush defense. Um, the rush defense may be their one little question against that running back uh, tandem the Browns have, but their defense isn't going to need to worry when they're up 17 points in the third quarter and just continuing to dominate. And offense will take care of the job for the Chiefs. Aiden, why is Eric wrong and why are the Browns going to win? Baker Mayfield, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. You showed me up, and, 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 I'm, and I'm proud to say that. Um, I'll be honest. I think it's because OBJ wasn't, wasn't, um, wasn't a weapon for you because you didn't have to show him up. You didn't have to give him the ball. You didn't have to show that you're, that you're that amazing that you actually could have played your position the way that it was meant to be played instead of making OBJ look like he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. That said this, that last game was on stick was on Kevin Stefanski. That sounds ridiculous. And here's why he created a culture for that team. And this is the greatest metaphor I heard today. The, the dad left the house. When dad leaves the home, parties happen, crazy shit happens, unless you have a good culture in your home. And they cleaned the house. They didn't fucking have parties. They made the house look even fucking better than, than when dad left. And that's how you win football games. They looked very, very good. Um, and so... I love the running back tandem. I love Kareem Hunt. I love Nick Chubb. They don't have the great, uh, the Chiefs don't have the greatest defense um, when it comes to the rush. So I think it's going to be completely, uh, you know, their, their game, the, 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 to win the game, they're going to have to outrun the team and find ways to make plays on Patrick Mahomes. But let's go back and look at, at, at the Kansas City Chiefs in the last seven games with Patrick Mahomes. They haven't won by over six points in seven games since he's been since he's been um, a quarterback for that team. He didn't play week seventeen. Also, he hasn't played for almost three weeks. By the time the by the time the next game's going to come up, the the kid is not that is not that old. He does not need that kind of rest, and I think that that sh is going to shoot them in the foot. He he probably should have played a half of that game with the with the Los Angeles Chargers. We may see a team that comes in to their own home barn, just like the Steelers and say, Oh, it's the fucking Browns. We don't need to fucking play and <laughs> over Mahomes head. And who fucking knows it. We're going to see a, a an, an early uh, defensive touchdown. I know that's highly unlikely, but guess what guys, Make them bad, dude. It, but guess what guys, I am not as I am not unconditionally in love with the Kansas city chiefs. Yes. It's very hard to vote against them. And I'm, I, and when we do the scores, I'm probably going to say the chiefs will win realistically but i am not i it's not it's not a, a end all be all they are not winning games against the raiders the buccaneers the broncos the dolphins the falcons i mean mahomes mahomes went 55% against the falcons in a nail biter in week 16 guys i'm not 
I'm not huge on the Kansas City Chiefs as as everybody else is at this moment. If you look at the last stats in the last seven games with him um, as quarterback, so I would not be don't be shocked if we see an upset. Moral of the story there: If you want to win a football game, clean your room. Eric, do you have a rebuttal? <laughs> uh, Trayden's a liar because he said the Chiefs are going to win. So everything he just said was straight lies, and uh, Chiefs are going to win. That was your <laughs> that's your rebuttal. <laughs> That's hilarious. He, he, I mean, he lied. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, I have the Kansas City Chiefs winning with 34 points and the Browns having 17. Eric, what do you think? I actually think the same score, 34-17 Chiefs. Very original. Alex, do you? <laughs> uh, Chiefs go off. 45 to 28. Chiefs. Trading? 34-27 <laughs> for the Chiefs. Chiefs and Tyler. 35-24 Chiefs. Okay. Chiefs all the way around there. Moving on to our very last game of the playoff weekend. It's the number two-seeded Buffalo Bills and number five-seeded Baltimore Ravens. The Bills' offense was explosive. They had 397 yards. Josh Allen had 324 on his own. Uh, he also had two touchdowns and had 54 yards rushing. Stephon Diggs went off. He had six receptions for 128 yards and one touchdown. The Bills have a huge problem, and that's in their inability to run the ball outside of a, on a designed run. They had 42 yards and 10 total carries. Josh Allen alone had 12 more yards in their entire running back room. That being said, Zach Moss is also out. So he's 1B of that running back tandem. He's gone. There's your power. Now you're just left with looseness, and I don't know if that's going to get the job done against a really heavy and really good Baltimore Ravens run defense. Uh, one thing to look out for is Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley, look out for their health status. They enter the game with a questionable tag. So just monitor that throughout the week and see where they're at before game time. The Ravens, on the other hand, also had a very good offensive day. They had 401 total yards, uh, 165 passing yards, and 236 rushing yards. Lamar Jackson started off really slow passing the ball, but he started to heat up towards the end. He made throws when they needed to happen. He also had 16 Ks for 136 yards and a touchdown. Hollywood Brown is alive, ladies and gentlemen. He's out there. He's making plays. He made an impact for the first time all season long. He had seven receptions for 109 yards and a touchdown. The key to this offense, though, in my opinion, is fullback Patrick Ricard. If he plays well, this offense does wonders. He's in there blocking all the time, and he also goes out for screens and passes. On defense, the Bills did pretty much nothing. They gave up 472 yards with 309 through the air against a Colts team that runs the ball. You, they made Phillip Rivers look like he was good again. That was crazy. Uh, the Bills, though, have a very elite safety tandem, but they can't do it all. So, Eric, there goes your argument of the safeties being the most important <laughs> part of the team. because obviously the Bills. <laughs> except for the Bills, right? Uh, they can't do it all, though. And the, thing, the fact of the matter is the Bills blitz a lot. They're a very aggressive defense, but they still ended up with zero sacks on Phillip Rivers. Does that make any sense? No, it does not. If you blitz Lamar Jackson, he's going to exploit that blitz, find the hole, and run it for a touchdown every single time. So if you're going to blitz, make sure you hit the hole and you hit it hard. The Ravens' defense, though, they looked elite. They looked really good. They held Derrick Henry to 40 yards and 18 carries, and this is the guy who averages 127 yards rushing per game. They held the Titans as, as a whole to 209 yards. Early on, Marlon Humphrey start, struggled against A.J. Brown, but really picked it up towards the end there. And uh, Marcus Peters also had a pick. He and Marlon Humphrey need to play really, really well against this explosive Bills, def 
against this explosive Bills team because they have some great wide receivers there. Alex, big Josh Allen fan. Yeah. Why are the Bills going to win? Yeah, so the, the Bills and the Ravens played last year, and what the Bills did phenomenally against an MVP Lamar Jackson was they did make him throw the ball. He ended up succeeding, and they, the Ravens did win that game. But this is an entirely different Bills team. If they can keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket, and you know, I know it's pretty much impossible, but limit his, his scrambles as much as possible, make him throw the ball, that Bills defense is good enough to stop Lamar Jackson in the air. Um, you know, he's still not that great of a throwing quarterback. He's just incredibly athletic on the bill side, on their offensive side, Josh Allen is a totally different quarterback compared this year, compared to last year. Um, he's probably going to garner some MVP, uh, votes. He is, you know, when they played last year, he looked lost. The, uh, the Ravens rushed him a lot. He was sacked quite a bit. He, uh, had a lot of dropbacks. He's a different player. He'll make better decisions. Um, it helps that he and I are homies, uh, and by homies, I mean, he walked past me in a bar one time. Uh, so <laughs> I, I fully believe, I fully believe that the bills and Josh Allen, um, can overcome that loss to the Ravens last year. Um, it will be a great game though. Tyler, why is Alex wrong? Why are the Ravens going to win? The Ravens are playing their best football at the right time right now. They're playing the best they've played all year. They've won, they won their last five regular season games. They looked great against the Titans last week. Um, and the, but the main reason is that this, this Ravens team is an extremely good running team, both with their running backs and with their quarterback. And the Bills' defense on the running side of the ball is not that great. And that's going to be, I think, the biggest uh, mismatch here in this whole game. Um, also, what's really interesting here, um, I think a really good uh, part of the game to, to look at is the Bills lead the league in third down conversions and the Ravens are second in the league in, in third down conversion stops. So that will be a really interesting part of the game to watch. Um, I think that could be where the game is won or lost right there. Um, so I think the Ravens will do enough um, of a job. Like I said, I, I, think, I think they're coming in hot right now and I, I think they're, they're going to squeak past this, this, this Bills team. Alex, you have a rebuttal? Yeah, so on that third down thing, Tyler, have you ever tried to tackle Josh Allen? He's six. <laughs> Apparently, you're the most un- unathletic person on this podcast. So I can't, I can't tackle <laughs> Josh Allen. See it. The Ravens are not going to do a great job. He'll be able to get those, you know, short third down conversions, um, and I think that's going to be part of the the difference. Also, this has nothing to do with the final score of the game. But if we could have Stephon Diggs and Marcus Peters mic'd up and he, with no filter on that would be much like much must watch must listen whatever that would be phenomenal you should contact nfl network just see what uh, you can every, do. every oh, you guys are homies, right? yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. i'll let them know yeah, i'm getting going <laughs> for sure um i have the buffalo bills winning this game 27 to 24 alex what do you think uh i got bills 24 ravens 20 trading bills 40 to 37 oh high scoring game well, that's crazy. Uh, Tyler? <laughs> Ravens, 31. Bills, 28. And Eric? 34-14. Bills. Wow. Okay. Handedly. Um, that just about wraps up my segment. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening and watching football this weekend. It's going to be good. It's good for you. Good for your body. Good for your soul. <laughs> Lots of sports going on this weekend. Playoff football, fucking basketball, hockey season. 
who knows? Maybe even golf. I'll have to check on that. But um, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, we, we are 29 weeks deep of this podcast. That's a long fucking time. Uh, you know, we always got to give a shout out to our listeners, our followers. You know where to find us, YouTube, uh, Instagram. And please just stop trolling me on my NBA power <laughs> rankings. Um, <laughs> Trust me, the Sixers are just, they're not that good of a team. They're lazy. We'll get more into that in our next few episodes. But everyone, continue to listen, continue to ask us questions, continue to reach out. Uh, we're going to do our best to just keep updating you on, on our newest NHL season, our uh, NFL playoffs, all of our predictions, our NBA power rankings. It's all coming your way every week. Thank you, guys. Thank you.